0: listening to The Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: If you are like me and you are a fan of breakfast cereals, then you are going to be excited about the news I have later on in the program. A certain cereal is coming back to Canada. I will not reveal precisely what it is other than to say, Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. Also coming up in the program, we Google a word. The word of the day, and then we find news stories that are associated with it. And you wouldn't believe if you just picked a random word out of the dictionary and then Googled it, how many news stories you can find about that particular word, the word of the day. Hey, get off my dinghy. 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 News about dinghies coming up. Plus, incredible news... Out of Calgary where a woman decides to go to an air show, visits the porta potty, and then something truly horrible happens. Those details are coming up, but we begin with the report into the killings by Elizabeth Wetlawfer. Wetlawfer is serving a life sentence after pleading guilty in 2017 to killing eight patients with insulin overdoses and attempting to kill four others. Seven of the patients she killed were residents at Carescent Care in Woodstock, Ontario, the community where the report is being released today. Wetlawfer was fired from Carescent Care in 2014 after multiple medication errors and then was hired by Meadow Park Care Home in London where she killed a 75-year-old resident. She told lawyers with the inquiry that she chose insulin to commit her crimes because it was not tracked where she worked. Here is the Commissioner of the Inquiry speaking live now. This is Eileen Gillis.
2: My goal in my remarks today is to focus on the recommendations. But before I discuss the recommendations, there are a few foundational points that I'd like to make. The first is, and I know this is going to seem very much like a lawyer with her exhibits at trial, but I hope that this report becomes a reference point for all the long-term care homes in Ontario. And like most people, I think we deal with paper more than lengthy documents on uh, the uh, on the web. So what I'd just like to do is to talk to you about how the report works. So volume one is um, the Executive Summary, and Consolidated Recommendations.
1: All right, you are listening there to Commissioner Eileen Glees as she's going through her document there and you hear her outline what she hopes this document will achieve. And that is a benchmark, something that long-term care homes in this province will look at and say that this is the way to conduct ourselves going forward when it comes to the dispensation of potentially lethal medications. The judge, police and prosecutor in this criminal case, keep in mind, all have said Elizabeth Wettlaufer would not have been caught without her confession. If she had not confessed to this crime, if she had not come forward, these crimes would never have been discovered. Before we get too far into the report, it is important here to remember that we are talking about lives, eight lives here. For context, here are families of the victims talking outside of court in June of 2017 following Wettlaufer's guilty plea.
3: Sorry doesn't cut it. Sorry doesn't cover it up for me. I mean, an apology like that is just, in my opinion, is just a waste of time, paper, and air because it doesn't mean anything to anyone.
2: This is the woman you have to remember. When she killed my grandmother, she went on a cruise the next day on her vacation and had fun and took pictures and laughed and she has emotions. She doesn't have to fake them. She just doesn't have emotion when it comes to deciding whose life that she's going to take up and she just, like I said, didn't put any value on my grandmother's life but we do. I don't think that she should ever even get the possibility of parole ever. I think she should spend the rest of her life in a small box contemplating what she's done
1: This report that is just coming out is warning that what happened with Elizabeth Wettlaufer can happen again. Quote, we cannot assume that because Wettlaufer is behind bars, the threat to the safety and security of those receiving care in long-term care systems has passed. That is, according to the justice who you were hearing from just a little while ago. To avoid similar tragedies in the future, it's critical that awareness is developed through the healthcare system of the possibility that a health care provider could intentionally harm those in their care, that according to the author of this study, who says healthcare serial killers are quote unquote a phenomenon. One thing that is not being called into question is the role of the Union and what it played in allowed in allowing. Elizabeth Wetlawford to keep on going. That is because the mandate set out by the former Liberal government did not allow for that to be examined in this report. And my next guest has written about this in a column in the Toronto Sun. Brian Lilly, journalist for Post Media, joins me on the
0: line. Hi, Brian. Hi, Alan. Joining you from uh, where so much of this has been talked about. I'm on the lawn of of Queen's Park, where I can literally see multiple bus shelter ads by the union that we're about to discuss. The Ontario Nurses Association lobbying the government on how nurses should be treated. But they have been exempt from this, as you say, because of the previous Liberal government, which was very labor-friendly and... I guess just didn't want this looked into, even though much of it came out during the trial and and in subsequent testimony.
1: So what is it that the trial found about a lack of, or a potential lack of oversight from this professional organization?
0: Well, the look, and I want to be straight up, I am a member of a union, and unions have a place and role in our society, and they should be there to protect employees uh, when it comes to uh, labor strife between themselves and the employer. But in the case of Elizabeth Wettlaufer, she was fired for a whole host of reasons. She was fired with cause by Carescent Care in Woodstock, Ontario, and that's the place where uh, she's alleged to have killed, I I believe it's as many as seven victims there, a long term care facility. Uh, At the point that she was fired, neither the nursing home nor the union that grieved her firing knew that she was a serial killer. But they did know that she'd been giving the wrong medication. She had been giving medication early. She'd been giving the wrong type of insulin to people. She had been doing things that nurses should not be doing. And that's why Caressing Care fired her. And when they fired her, as I said, it was with cause. That meant she would not get severance. She would not be uh, getting a, a glowing reference letter. The union grieved that without investigating. Were the claims against their member true? They grieved it and forced, through a hearing at the Ontario Labor Board, to not only have Elizabeth Wettlaufer paid $2,000, but Carescent Care was forced to change the status of her firing and give her a reference letter that said she left voluntarily, quote, to pursue other opportunities, and then the reference letter, which you could present to other Potential employers said during her time with us, Miss Wetlawer proved herself a good problem solver with strong communication skills, who was punctual and enjoyed sharing her knowledge with others. You would have no indication if you're a potential employer reading that that she was actually fired for putting patients' lives in danger. And Miss
1: Wetlawer killing- went on to kill uh, another person uh, after yes. this
0: and injure others because she she didn't always succeed sometimes she uh, attempted to, to kill her patients and didn't succeed so there's a lot of families uh, you know she was fired from a job in 1995 and again the union grieved and had it changed from uh, termination to uh, voluntary uh, resignation due to medical reasons she probably should never have been practicing nursing in the first place.
1: Brian Lilly is a Toronto Sun columnist who's joining us from the lawn of Queen's Park. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you being on the uh, program today. Thank you. And I think Brian raises a great question there. Why was that not looked into? But also I think there are other questions about... You know, unions just, and I think if you work in a unionized shop, Brian, uh, Brian, full disclosure from him about being a union member, full disclosure from me, I'm also a union member, but I think we've all seen where unions kind of blindly go to bat for people because that's the job that they have, and I guess there is a question there as to whether or not that should continue. When we come back... I want you to weigh in on this plastic bag ban. Have you heard this? Now it's going to be moving now to Sobeys. Sobeys going to phase out plastic bags altogether. Meanwhile, hotels are saying no more plastic uh, shampoo for you to steal. Has the pendulum swung too far? Great news, Breakfast Cereal fans. If you like to mainline refined sugars right into your veins as you start the day, well, guess what? General Mills is banking on you getting tricksy with it. Remember, it's coming back. Canadian kids of the 90s can rejoice because Trix Cereal is back, writes General Mills. Coming this summer, Trix is back. But you know as well as I do. Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. Let's move to the United States, where the Trump administration says it's going to set up a system to allow Americans to access lower-cost prescription drugs from Canada. U.S. officials say the solution to high-cost prescription drugs in that country can be found north of their border. Here's Karen Travers with more on the story.
2: The Trump administration announced today it's exploring how to enable Americans to legally obtain lower-priced prescription drugs from Canada. HHS Secretary Alex Azar said in a statement that the administration wants to allow safe importation of certain prescription drugs to lower prices and reduce out-of-pocket costs for American patients. HHS says under this plan, states drug wholesalers or pharmacists would import drugs from Canada that are versions of FDA-approved drugs and manufactured consistent with FDA approval. Karen ABC News, the White House.
1: Well, that sounds all fantastic for Americans, but what in the world does it mean for Canadians and our ability to supply all those drugs and supply the pharmaceuticals that Canadian seniors and Canadians need? Hassan Youssef is with me on the line. He is president of the Canadian Labor Congress. What do you make of this news, Hassan?
4: Well, it's always a, a troublesome uh, decision when an administration uh, fails to deal with the problem which your citizens are being faced with. That is high drug costs. Our solution to this problem has been, of course, is to ensure that we have regulation that actually can protect uh, the, the consumer and ensuring uh, we can have access to the medication the Canadian need. And that's what has allowed us to have lower prices than what Americans uh, are paying right now. And by the way. Um, in the context of drug price, the U.S. is the second highest uh, drug prices in the world uh, for, for consumers. Uh, I mean, we here, despite the fact we have access and still have lower costs, we still have the third highest drug cost in the world uh, uh, comparatively to other nations. Uh, but we have good regulation that can be further improved, uh, I think, to a large extent to ensure that Canadians can still be able to get access to medication and, more importantly, um, be able to afford that at the end of the day. Of course, our push is to get a national pharma care system, but at the end of the day, we're very sympathetic to Americans who are struggling with real-life choices. What access to medication recognizing is very prohibitive when you don't have the resources to access medication that are very, very uh, uh, disheartening for people who are struggling, especially with uh, diabetes and other uh, challenges that they're faced with and having to come to Canada. This is not the solution the uh, the administration should be providing. They should be thinking about how they can better regulate uh, the, the marketplace to ensure Americans can actually ac- access medication at lower sure, prices but the
1: point being people. is is that we don't have any we, we have no sway over that we're not voters there we're not citizens no we there. don't but we don't. but so but but let's look at that and what is the fallout for us do you see yes. here uh, a cascade where drugs will then become more expensive or more difficult for Canadians to get?
4: It's quite possible, Nobody's raising the alarm bells right now, that this could drive Canadian prices up, uh, because we do have a regulation that actually controls the prices that manufacturer charge. But it could create some crisis if the marketplace don't uh, continue to produce at a level that consumers are demanding. And when American consumers are demanding, it will put out pressure as to how much they're producing that could meet the supply at the end of the day. But right now, nobody is raising that. I think our government certainly are monitoring what is happening. And more importantly, of course, we need to keep our eye on the ball to ensure this does not create a, an unnecessary burden for Canadians in the long term.
1: Hassan Youssef is president of the Canadian Labour Congress, and join me on the line. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being with me.
4: Thank you, my friend. All S- the best.
1: So obviously, no reason for panic, which is a news guy I, I'm, I'm sad about. No, I kid. But obviously, this is a, a reason for concern for for those that are you know obviously you know struggling to be able to fulfill their prescription drug costs as it is. Now, I want to turn to the phone lines here. In four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. I want to talk about plastics. Uh, you heard the news that shoppers at Sobeys will soon need to bring their own stuff with them or purchase paper bags because the grocery chain is going to phase out plastic bags by February of 2020. That will mean that those will all be gone. Now, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said in June that his government is starting regulatory work to ban toxic single-use plastics because garbage infiltrating the world's waterways is completely out of hand. And that goes hand-in-hand with a story out of London that the fight to save the seas from plastic now means the end of mini bottles of shampoo and other toiletries that we all love to steal from hotels. The owners of Holiday Inn and Intercontinental Hotel says Tuesday that Nearly 843,000 guest rooms are going to switch to bulk-sized bathroom amenities as part of an effort to cut waste. My question for you, as we put out the call again, is for your perspective on this, I mean it's a no-brainer we need to cut down on this sort of stuff but where does the pendulum go on the swinging back and forth obviously there was a time when we just all went to the grocery store and loaded up with as many plastic bags as we could get remember those lcbo bags those sweet lcbo plastic bags they were totally indestructible remember those things Well, we don't have those anymore. So things have changed, but have they changed too much? 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on your cell as we're asking questions today about whether or not this whole plastic ban is just kind of going too far, or is it just time to say, look, enough of this. You can buy a paper bag for goodness sake. Doug is with us. Doug, what do you think about this?
4: Oh, and I got to give you credit. Those last two stories you did actually got my blood boiling. Great job. But on the plastics, you know, we've had now five, six years where people, you know, I'm talking about my wife, they come in with their own bags. We don't need the plastic bags anymore. I don't even see why they don't bring back the old uh, brown paper bags. And then people will bring their own bags because after it rains once, they'll never go through the brown paper bags like we did when we were
1: kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kidding. And then you know, yeah. and, and then the eggs fall out of the bottom, and that's the awesome. way that goes. <laughs> well, if we're gonna bring back well, brown paper bags, can we bring back the bag boy? Can we get that? Maybe.
4: Absolutely. I don't
1: see. Can I say that? Can I say boy? Though no, I have to be gendered. Bag person. Bag person. Bag X. Or bag child. That would be better. All right. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate you being with us. Michael is on the line, has this whole plastic thing uh, gone too crazy. Michael. uh,
4: Yes, I do think. so. I think it's gone too far. And I think what I'm going to see happen is that you're going to see more people hoarding things. So when they go to the grocery store, they're going to get more of those bags if they can. Or when they go to the Holiday Inn, they're going to swipe more of those shampoo bottles just to hold on to them.
1: So you just think that people are going to say, I have this, I have this at home, I have this collection of bags that I just use.
4: That's right, and I think people are going to hold on to those bags because there's scarcity all of a sudden. Because suddenly, well, you know, what if the rules change tomorrow? I might need them, so I have to hold on to them longer. Do
1: you think it will be like prison cigarettes? There'll be like currency?
4: Absolutely, because suddenly you're going to hold on to things if you realize that there's scarcity and you're not going to be able to get them anymore.
1: And this always, it always comes back to cats, too, and cat litter for some reason. I don't know why, but it always comes back to cat. Thank, cats, thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate you being there. Sandy is with us uh, from Alliston. I believe, Sandy, this is you. Hey, what do you think?
5: How does my straw end up in the ocean? That's how I would like to know. I'm in Ontario. I think just the East and the West Coast should ban straws.
1: You just, You think that? those of us that live in the center part of the country should just be able to use as much plastic as we like because we don't live near the ocean?
5: That's, that's right. It goes in the landfill. It doesn't go into the ocean.
1: Right. So by... They
5: were. They're worried about straws getting up in the ocean. Make that law. Just the east and the west coast provinces and states, you can't use straws or plastic or whatever.
1: So if you lived in a place where it had a strong breeze, you'd be allowed to like burn tires because that's not a... Like it's not affecting you. Like I, 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 I see your point, but it does end. Like the the plastic ends up somewhere, right?
3: It ends up in the landfill.
1: In the landfill. All right, Sandy, I do appreciate that. Thank you very much. I, I like that. All right. Uh, you know what I like to do here on the big program sometimes is I just like to every once in a while just put a word into the old internet. I just put a word in there. And I say, well, what's going on with this word in the news? And today, the word is... Hey, get off my dinghy! Dinghy. We have dinghy news. This is from Lynn News in the UK. These are all stories that have happened within the last couple of days, within at least within the last month, all dinghy-related. A person was rescued after drifting 500 yards out to sea in an inflatable dinghy last night. They had to launch a lifeboat around 6 p.m., After being located by the crew, the person was located back in the U.K., so there's a dinghy uh, piece of news. This one I like. This is from SquamishChief.com. This is just in the last couple of days. River revelers beware. Operating that inflatable dinghy under the influence could cost you your driver's license. After an Ontario man was convicted last month of impaired operation of a canoe in a case that involved the death of an 8-year-old, you may recall that case... Some interesting questions are now being raised about how Canada's impaired laws draw apply to watercraft, and the judge in that case concluded that anything capable of navigating a waterway is a vessel, which are included, although not properly defined, under impaired driving legislation. So that means a dinghy is a vessel. One last dinghy update, shall we? If you're a fan of the dinghy, or just saying the word dinghy, save the date February 29th, 2020. That is when the only show in the world dedicated to dinghies will return to London. That, according to the Royal Yachting Association. All the dinghy news fit to print.
0: Hey, get off my dinghy!
1: news about your vehicle here. A 19-year-old Montreal man is facing dozens of charges related to an alleged car theft ring in Toronto. Local police allege the teenager was part of an operation that targeted high-end newer model Lexus and Toyota vehicles, usually taking them early in the morning. They allege he stole 36 vehicles in just over a month between November and December of last year. Now, you may ask yourself... As you drive down the road, well, is my vehicle one that would be targeted? Well, let me just read for you the top vehicles. These, top, these are the top 10 stolen vehicles in Canada for 2017, according to the Insurance Bureau of Canada. And I found this unbelievable because pretty much, unless you're driving a Ford F-350, you're good. Because the number one stolen car is a 2015 Lexus GX460. And the number eight stolen car is a 2016 Toyota 4Runner. And every single other vehicle on the top ten is a Ford F350. An 07, an 06, an 05, an 01, an 03, an 04, an 02. Tell me what he's won. He's he's won himself a stolen Ford f F three fifty. Oh, look at that! Number ten is a Ford F two fifty, just sneaking in at the number ten spot right there. Isn't Lexus number one though? Yeah, Lexus is number one, but that's okay. not my point. My point I, is, is, is that everything else is a Ford. I everything know. else is a, is a truck. That's my point. A French inventor, I love this story, is going to try again to traverse the English Channel on a flying board after his first attempt failed.
5: Frankie Zapata's wife, Christelle, says he will, on Sunday, retry the 22.4-mile journey from the French town of Sangat to Dover, England. Last week, on the first attempt, Zapata crashed into a refueling boat 12
1: miles into the trip. This time, his wife says, he will use a larger boat for the refueling stop in hopes of making landing easier. The flying man has had to build a new board, a customised version of the flyboard his company sells for water sports. The engine is fueled by kerosene he carries in a backpack, his feet fastened to the board.
5: I'm Charles de Ledesma.
1: You know what that guy needs is a Ford F-350. That's what would... He needs to, he needs to scoff a Ford F-350. That would help him. Canada and New Zealand are the most vulnerable to a house price correction given that both of the price-income ratio and price-rent ratio are well above the long-run averages. That... Is according to a new report in Bloomberg Economics. So us and Kiwis are in trouble. Policymakers may have already been acting on Canada's, uh, you know, Canada's government. Pardon me, has introduced a tax on foreign buyers. Uh, overseas purchases have been banned in New Zealand. But of course, every time we start talking about this, we ask the same question: Is there a bubble? Is it about to burst? John Pasalas is president of Realosophy, and he's always got an opinion on this. John, hi. Good to be here. Bubble or no bubble? Uh,
5: I mean, with with respect to Toronto, I mean, certainly house prices uh, are high. Uh, it's it's really hard to call it a bubble today. I mean, the bubble bubbles typically refer to you know when when prices are high, driven by speculative purchases, a lot of investors in the market, and that's what we saw in twenty seventeen. Uh, in areas like York Region, but that has cooled down quite a bit since then. So I don't know if I'd call it a bubble today, but uh, but certainly house prices are, are higher than probably normal, I'd say.
1: Okay, house price correction is less dramatic way of saying that prices are overvalued. Do you see a correction in the cards?
5: I mean, it's uh, yeah, of course. I mean, at some point, we're going to see prices cool down. I mean, I think the challenge with uh, a lot of these these reports about bubbles is, is this whole idea of, you know, uh, trying to time the market. And I think that's the biggest risk. I mean, I, I remember hearing about the bubbles when I bought my first house in, in 2003. Um, you know, and since then, we've had a couple of brief declines in 2008 and 2017. But... Um, you know, the issue is just obviously trying to time when that's going to happen, and, and you can't. So your your best way to avoid any risk is, is just buy a house for the long term, and, and that kind of mitigates any short-term fluctuations.
1: You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that. I think uh, everyone heard this maybe about 10 years ago. I heard a lot of people saying, oh, I'm just going to wait it out. I think it's going to correct. I'm going to wait <laughs> it out. And I don't hear that anymore. Now I just hear people say, I can't afford it anyway.
5: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny. I, uh, you know, I hear that a lot from people as well. People have been waiting, I mean, nearly 10 years to buy expecting this big crash. And, and I think for a lot of people, um, you know, they're kind, they're kind of tune changed when, you know, they introduced these stress tests in Canada. And a lot of people thought that was really going to tank the market because in theory it should have. I mean, when governments introduce policies that make it harder to get mortgages, usually that's a trigger to cool things down. And it hasn't. I mean, it's kind of the market, and at least in the GTA, has remained stable, but prices haven't really fallen. So I think that's kind of surprised a lot of people. And, and, you know, even the most negative, bearish people, I think, are becoming a little bit more neutral about the market.
1: What are we seeing in terms of inventory? Because I, there's such a choked inventory that it is difficult to really assess what's worth anything because there's just nothing to buy.
5: Yeah, and I think that's the one thing where, you know, the one reason it's hard to predict what's going to happen in Toronto, because a lot of the speculative buying has disappeared, but there's still a, a real shortage of supply. I mean, we don't have anyone who's looking at houses. There's just actually not a lot out there to choose from. And that has really is what has kept house prices pretty stable over the past year and uh, two years. And, you know, I think that is just, again, a, a tightening of supply for sure and low rise. Um, And over time, we're going to start to see, you know, condos complete. But the problem with condos is a lot of them are being purchased by investors who are basically renting them out. So it's not really bringing a ton of supply for people who want to necessarily move in. A lot of that's just being, you know, effectively used as apartments.
1: Between weather and real estate, that's all we like to talk about in this city. John Basalis, president of Philosophy, thanks so much for being on the program. Pleasure. All right, a couple of quick sports stories here. This from London. Did you know that medieval jousting is a thing? Well, yes. People actually do this. It's a real sport. And now, something called English Heritage, which is a charity which manages monuments and castles, says accuracy is vital in jousting. And now they have new video review technology.
0: Let's go, Are you stupid? Are you dumb?
1: Let's go to Sakakas now for the video replay on the justing tournament. So that's your justing update. And then there's this. Out of Michigan, where prosecutors have now dropped an assault charge against a 10-year-old Detroit boy who was accused of hitting a 9-year-old classmate in the face with a dodgeball. They were playing dodgeball at the time, and then they were gonna charge this kid. The prosecutor says, probably a better way to go forward than taking the kid to juvenile court. How's your day going? You feeling good? Are you having lunch? Because you might want to put lunch down right now. I think you just put it to the side. Uh, And our next story will prove to you that no matter how bad your day is, it's not as bad as the day that this woman in Calgary had.
2: It's a vile experience that just grosses her out every time she thinks of it. A repulsive reminder of what was supposed to be a memorable event with her boyfriend's family visiting from Germany. Happy having nightmares. The couple, along with their five week old little girl, went on Saturday to the Wings Over Springbank air show. But intense winds forced a sudden cancellation, and spectators were sent away. Before they left, Cecilia had to make a pit stop at the portable toilets, a decision she's come to
3: regret. As soon as I was trying to sit, actually, I the whole thing just went on my back, like back, the door facing downwards, and I'm actually sleeping on it, and I could feel all the water and everything falling on me. I'm getting a heart attack, it's like crazy. I just know that Cecilia is in one of those washrooms. There were like five or six of them, they all tipped over, one after another, like, yeah. That's why they couldn't find me, because they didn't know which one I was in. It had trapped her inside. Stefan
2: scrambled to hoist it up enough for Cecilia to crawl out.
3: Oh my gosh, I was thinking like crazy, that it stunk. I was a mess. My hair had some toilet paper in it. I had brew water, pee water. I saw some needles
2: there. Beyond being humiliated, she was worried about potential injuries. Medics were called in and she was checked out at the hospital.
3: Oh, I had like almost two hours shower. I was in the shower for the longest time. The wind was exceptionally bad that day.
2: Viewer video shows bouncy castles at the air show taking flight. It's left the family wondering about
3: those porta potties and their lack of stability to withstand the wind. Nothing was anchored down, no weights on them. The only weight they had was the pee and poo and the chemicals. What would happen if we would stand closer because of the wind to those toilets and those 100 kilogram toilets would have fallen on our stroller?
2: Springbank Airshow organizers didn't respond to our request for comment. SuperSafe Toilet Rentals said its spokesperson is out of the province and couldn't issue a response.
3: I left them um, two times now already a message. So far they never answered me back. And from Springbank Airport they just say that they hire this out to a separate company, so it's not their responsibility. As Cecilia recovers from
2: bruises and sore muscles, she just wants to forget the whole thing happened, hoping someone eventually accepts some accountability. Jill Groteau, Global News.
1: Is that not the most disgusting story you have ever heard? That is just the stuff of nightmares. Man trapped in a porta potty. Well, how's about this for a kicker to finish that off? Authorities say a woman suspected of urinating on potatoes at a Walmart in Pennsylvania has now turned herself in. Keep it down! West Mifflin police say 20-year-old Grace Brown is facing multiple charges including criminal mischief, open lewdness, and public drunkenness. She turned herself in Tuesday after learning authorities were looking for her. You know why authorities were looking for her? Because they posted surveillance f- photos of the incident on Twitter. They haven't said when the incident took place or why the woman allegedly relieved herself on the potatoes. This incident comes weeks after a video posted on social media showed people licking ice cream from Walmart freezers in Texas and Louisiana. Louisiana. You want a sign of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, ladies and gentlemen? It's at the Walmart. That is disgusting. And folks, please keep in mind...
5: Silly rabbit, tricks are for
1: kids!